this is the Angry GM again, and this is the supplemental question and answer portion to my proofread aloud of article of the article I just finished proofreading aloud called Everyone Doing Everything All at Once. Uh, and now I'm going to take some questions and comments from the peanut gallery gathered in the Discord to listen to that long-ass article. And I'm going to start with a question from Guy. Guy asks, is turn order the be-all and end-all of combat? Have any other systems done a controlled choice style of play that is worth exploring for good or ill? Okay, um, yes, there are a number of game systems that have played with initiative in different ways. I myself have experimented with it. Um, there are some very interesting, like the, the Hackmaster game system is by far the most interesting because it tries to keep it real-time clock, which is in the end, very, very difficult to manage, it turns out. Um, and then, you know, there's there's all sorts of other things, okay? It's all gimmicks. First of all, turn order is the be-all and end-all of combat. For combat to work, you need strictly prescribed turn orders, um, and you do not need to spend a lot of time trying to decide who goes next. You do need to know exactly when one action comes before or after another and which actions come before the other ones, and, and that's it. If you try to do anything more than that, you're complicating shit for complication's sake, as far as I'm concerned. Just, like, roll dice to determine what order you go in and then just go in that order. People are always trying to make this more complicated than it is. It doesn't need to be, and it doesn't get you anything. Okay, initiative, it's such a small part of the game anyway. You know, in most, most role-playing game systems now, initiative is, whole, is totally cyclical. So, you know, everybody goes, everybody gets to go once per round. And so after, you know, we resolve the fact that somebody might get off the, their first attack before anybody else does, and they might down one of the foes, and... You know, it's very rare that a character is going to be one-shotted, so it's always going to be a monster that gets screwed by not going first, not the players, um, or usually. So it really doesn't matter. Um, so, yeah, just do things in turn order. But don't start the turn order until you need to. That's a point I'm going to make. I'm going to have more to say about initiative in the next lesson, but none of it is going to be, we should really just dispense with initiative and come up with some kooky other way to handle it. That said, in both Slapdash and Smafarge, the systems I am working on, I have kooky other ways to handle it. Guy also then goes on to say, One thing I've noticed by using the action cue, many players seem to wait until an action is resolved. While this isn't a problem per se, it feels off. This is most often felt when rooms don't visibly have much to interact with. Am I thinking about this the wrong way, or is this simply a non-issue? Well, the answer to your, que your or question is yes, both. You're thinking about this the wrong way, and it is a non-issue. It is perfectly fine if in some situations players say, well, I'll wait and see what whether Cave turns up any traps. Well, I will too. Yeah, I'm going to hang back and make sure there's no traps. Okay, at least you did the polling. It doesn't take that much time to do, but establishing the pattern is good because it helps, you know, your players get used to how you're going to queue for actions. More importantly, it lets your players know there is always a space for them to get an action in before anything is resolved. So you very rarely have situations where the players feel the need to say, wait, wait, before he does that, I want to do this. And then before he does that, I want to do this. Okay, the player, by doing that every time, you teach the players they're always going to have a chance to declare an action, even if they've got nothing to declare. That benefit trumps the offness 
that you sometimes feel because some characters just don't have something to do. And the funny thing is, most players, if you give them a chance to talk once or twice, and the situation otherwise resolves itself fairly quickly, they don't feel like they don't have anything to do. Just by asking the players what they do, and then in the middle of the scene saying, okay, you went and did it, now you're keeping watch and everything is okay. Uh, and then at the end, and then Cabe discovers there is no traps and he reveals the treasure to all. Uh, you have now involved that player. So, you know, they actually feel that. It doesn't seem like that should be enough to make people feel engaged, but it actually is. Chris Aor asks or says, these concepts sound related to your idea of the arbitrary game turn. Is there any synergy between these two techniques? Yes, there is. The arbitrary game turn is my baby steps way of teaching mere game executors just barely enough of this crap that they won't ruin their games by screwing it up. Okay? Consider pretty much everything I've written about my webs written on my website before True Game Mastery to be amateur hour crap for babies. I realize that's kind of insulting and, you know, some people probably feel like certain things that I've written are edifying and this doesn't go for everything I've said. But this stuff that I'm teaching now in true game mastery is a refinement and elevation of everything I have ever taught. Okay, it is taking this stuff to the next level, which is why it also spends some time saying... Number one, practice this stuff. Number two, undo your old habits and get into new habits. And number three, here's a part where I can't actually teach you a process or step-by-step -step guide because there isn't one. Instead, I'm going to tell you how to think and then expect you to go practice it for 10 years until you get it down. All right, so now I have something else from Guy who thinks uh, apparently they're in a private conversation with me and doesn't want to give anybody else a turn to ask anything or say anything. In a recent combat, I was hit with a cloud kill and had my own concentration spell go. This is going to be a thing about why I personally hate initiative, isn't it? This is, this is what it's going to be. This is going to be, here's my argument for why initiative is bad. <laughs> I'm so sorry, God. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Sometimes I forget that my brain is connected to my mouth and things just come out. Guy is admitting that they invited this knowingly. Okay. I gave the Beth voice to Guy, too. Guy, you are now Beth. You play Beryllia. <laughs> okay. In a recent combat, I was hit with Cloud Kill and had my own concentration spell going. My initiative was 20. The Barbarian had initiative 5, but really wanted to throw my character out of the Cloud Kill radius to prevent the concentration from ending. At the table, we all felt that was cool, but it violated initiative order, so we couldn't do it. No, he could do it. He just had to wait... You know, five or six seconds to do it. He wasn't fast enough. That's the problem. Is that the cloud kill explodes into being. Your character grabs his throat and starts choking. I'm in the cloud kill. And the barbarian's like, I will leap over and throw you out of the cloud kill. But he can't get there in time for you to lose control of your spell. That's what initiative means. Initiative is about reflex time and speed. The barbarian wanted to do the thing. It would have been cool. He just wasn't fast enough. He rolled a five on his initiative. He wasn't fast enough. He was not paying attention. He was a little on alert. He was confused. He was distracted by the rest of the fight going on. He's supposed to be looking toward the bad guys, not toward the idiot wizard behind him. So, so yeah. No, 
I'm not going to take this as an argument that turn order is bad. Turn order is sometimes going to keep you from doing the things you want to do. That's how it works. Sometimes you're not fast enough. Anywho. That's fair. Thank you. Thank you for telling me that my fair answer is fair. You don't have to tell me I have the right answer. I always have the right answer. I don't give wrong answers. I decided long ago that if I was going to do this, this, uh, in, this, you know, like game mastering instruction thing, it would be much better if I never, ever gave wrong answers or bad information. Like a lot of GMs out there who, um, who, you know, put out advice, they clearly haven't made the same choice I have. They have clearly not resolved to just, you know what, I'm only going to give right answers and good advice. And I wish more people did because advice is useful and answers are useful when they're good and right. And, you know, I guess I'm the only one who holds myself to some kind of standard of getting things right. Anyway, Naopi uh, says the visualization of this all as an action cue is helpful. As an interesting side note, this article actually went through a couple of morphs, um, and the action cue was a late, a late metaphor that forced me to rewrite the entire middle of the article. At first, um, at first it was more of a, uh, I was doing the whole thing as the action clock, and then I realized the action clock is way too much, and I was trying to teach people how to put things in order of the action clock, but that's totally unnecessary, because really you just need a cue. Then I was using the metaphor of those old real-time slash turn-based hybrid role-playing games where like stuff plays out, you know, you give the orders and then stuff plays out, but then you can pause the game at any time to issue new orders. Like uh, the Dragon Age Inquisition was like that, I think, and some of the old, some of the, like a lot of the um, the Black Isle Studios uh, D&D-based role-playing games were like that. And that, that's sort of what I landed on. And you could see the rest of that in the article. Like, okay, there's the idea of pause, issue commands, and then unpause, and the commands play out. And then the game, you, you know, except that in this case, you have to figure the computer also stops uh, to, to, to like actually do the calculations and say, okay, you hit, you missed, whatever. But anyway, so... Yeah, I, I ultimately, there were a lot of different metaphors, and finally the action cue was the one. And what I've had very specifically in my head, and I, I am ashamed to even admit this, for reasons not entirely of the game's doing, I associate this game with incredible pain, but Final Fantasy X had probably the most excellent visual action cue of any Final Fantasy game ever. When a combat broke out, because obviously it's Final Fantasy, it's turn-based, but when a combat broke out, a listing would appear in the upper right corner of the screen that listed your party characters and the monsters in the order they were going to attack. And also there was even a, like a shaded bar that gave some indication of how like high their initiative role was because you actually had actions that could delay characters so, you know, if a character had a very strong initiative role and you attacked them with a delay action, you might not force their turn back down further the queue, but otherwise you could like bounce characters further down the queue. And depending on the actions you took, your character, and it would display where your character was going to come up next in the queue as you selected menu item. So if you decided you were just going to use like an item, um, your next turn would come up sooner and it would show where your character was going to move to in the queue. It was a very, very good visual representation of the turn order 
Um, which is exactly what I kind of see in my head as the action queue. You have these actions queued up, and then you, the GM, you insert wherever you have to, creature actions or whatever, and, you know, and there you go. So that's actually, the visualization of the action queue came from um, Final Fantasy X, actually. And I liked fan Final Fantasy X for the most part, um, except that it was, uh, tonally, it was the most miserable, depressing, horrible game that never let up, ever. Uh, and also, I associate it with extreme pain only because I had a... Oh, what did I... I had an impacted tooth one weekend. And I think it was a Memorial Day weekend, so it was a holiday weekend, and I couldn't get to a dentist. Um, and so I couldn't sleep. The pain was agonizing. I couldn't get any medication and I couldn't get the tooth taken care of. So I played Final Fantasy X through the entire weekend beginning to end for, you know, like, what, 48 hours straight or whatever, which also is not the ideal way of playing it. But what else was I going to do? You know, anyway. OK, so that has been the live Q&A portion of the proofread aloud. Uh, I don't have any other questions or comments coming in and I'm not going to probe for any more. Uh, I also see that Guy has changed their name to Beth and stated, monopolizing questions is an everyone else problem, not a Beth problem. And that is certainly true. Thank you, everybody, for listening and asking questions and making comments. Thank you, Beth, for your multiple questions and comments and for allowing me to change your name uh, and being a good sport, of course. And um, yeah, that's it. Thanks, everyone. And I will talk to you again soon.